In this week's update, increasing the gains and reducing the losers, and the outlook for the rest of 2023. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only, and please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Now, last week, I covered off in part about the advantage of just being mindful about well-chosen contrarian situations, because they can keep you safer and they can lead to, frankly, some opportunities of a lifetime when you're getting in when everybody else is very pessimistic. So this week, I just want to go a little bit deeper on that to show how following the crowd and the media can and will cost you big time. So just consider the following screenshots. So this is Jim Cramer on the 12th of October saying avoiding stocks in the house of pain, the NASDAQ 100, and the market bottomed the next day. So on the 13th of October was, uh, was the bottom of the market. Well, this one, Robert Kiyosaki, who's a very high profile celebrity, if you like, in the investment markets. This was nine months ago, we we're in a bear market. And then 11 months ago in October said that the market will crash by 80%. Well, guess what? The market went up 20% since then, if you use the, the S&P as, uh, as the indicator. And then we've got, uh, of course, Michael Burry, and this, of course, may not be his fault. <laughs> this may be the media reporting. But on August 16, just a few weeks ago, the media splashed all over the place. And you may have seen this, that he had made a $1.6 billion bet that the market was going to crash. And this is the guy that was famous for calling the, uh, the peak in the US housing market before the GFC. So he has a degree of credibility. But in fact, when you look into it, this was no more than a pretty modest little hedge that many funds do all the time. So this was a case of the media running with a story that was basically completely false. And two days later, the S&P bottomed. Now, that's only on a short term basis because it's only over a period of a few weeks. But this is just not what it seemed at all. Yet this is the type of misleading representation by the media. It's just the tip of the, of the iceberg of a very large and very misleading iceberg of terrible calls made by celebrities and others looking for a headline uh, and the media reporting of it. So let me just have a quick look at the S&P just to illustrate. So here's Jim Cramer's call on the market. The, basically, that was the bottom, the day after the market reversed in a significant way. And then this is Robert Kiyosaki's call that the market was going to crash by 80%. Uh, it was somewhere around about the low 4,000 mark, and we're now about 44.50. So that, those were completely wrong. And the other call made by made by Michael, well, not, not a call, but the reporting by the media, again, was completely misleading. Now, the problem with this is that unless you're really immersed in the market, this sort of stuff is very dangerous. At the very least, it gets in your subconscious and it affects your decision making. And you end up buying when you should be selling and selling when you should be buying. And, you know, I see it all the time. I've been working with traders and investors for 20 years and I know the questions that get asked and the things that, that play on people's minds. So, you know, this is potentially a very large problem.
And it's one of the main reasons that I've been producing these Sunday videos almost every week now for about 17 years, is to provide an unbiased and unloaded perspective to offset all the other rubbish that's out there, the headline seekers and the media that's just after ratings. So the objective that I've always had since I started doing this was to help you to be a more astute investor because you've just got a clearer perspective on what's going on. Now, the calls I make are always contrarian and they're not always um, how it plays out, but the record is pretty good. If you've been a regular viewer of this video for any period of time, um, you'd know that what I say is balanced, it's factual, and it's based on clear thinking observation of what is. It's not my, as much as I can, I try to keep my personal biases out of it. It's just observing what I see and reporting it and, uh, and responding accordingly. Now, the reality is this. This perspective that I've been doing for a long, long time, once a week in these sort of fast-moving markets is nowhere near enough. If you want to do really well over the long term, once a week is just not enough. It's a stock picker's market these days, and the windows of opportunity are often very small. So if you're just getting a top up on your perspective once a week, it's often, you know, it's going to be too late whether to be buying or selling something. Now, members of the Insiders Club get this input daily and, some, and occasionally intraday if there's something that really requires it. Now, contrarian thinking and contrarian opportunities is not all we do, of course, but it's certainly a part of what we do. So if you want to know what members are getting, then you can visit the website. There's some links uh, below this video. There's direct email support. There's specific buy and sell recommendations. There's education in both video and written format. And I just don't know of anywhere else in Australia where you can go to get this level of service and guidance. So if I can just wave the flag a little on that, then hopefully it will be of benefit to people listening to this and viewing this. All right, so just to sort of summarize, what does one achieve with contrarian activity? So just to sort of cement the concept here, it avoids the crowd and that inherently has to reduce risk. Now, not all contrarian situations are, you know, ones that you should take because there's a lot of stocks that are down and well down and out of favor for a very good reason and you shouldn't touch them. But the ones that are well selected, it avoids the crowd. It certainly reduces the risk. It reduces the downside while significantly improving the upside by definition, if you've got quality assets. So if you select well, your time frame is realistic, you're not trying to make money in the next five seconds, then my absolute um, conviction is that the success rate improves sharply. Sometimes you've got to wait, sometimes it doesn't happen overnight, but generally the upside potential is far, far in excess of any temporary downside. So what does one need to start to act with a more contrarian hat on? Well, the stocks that you look at have got to have a really strong fundamental outlook. They've got to have really strong tailwinds that are going to propel revenues and earnings into the future. There needs to be a level of misguided bearishness prevailing in the market that is temporary. Now that might be weeks, it might be months, but it, it needs to be um, misguided with respect to the true fundamentals. So if you're just taking your cue from the media, you're just going to be on the wrong foot all the time. You then need some sort of suitable price dip. If, it's, if there's a level of bearishness 
uh, prevailing, then you may already have that price dip. And that can be the springboard for you to, um, to start buying, but buying according to a plan. And again, this only applies to really well-selected stocks because there's, there's a lot of stocks that are out of favour and they're going to stay out of favour because they deserve to. You then need the clear perspective to be able to see it because you're going against the crowd. You're going against the media. You're going against what everybody else is saying and thinking. And that's you know, pretty hard to do. So you need that clear perspective. I try to convey that through this Sunday video to a degree, but as I said earlier, it's, you know, if, if you want to take this into the market specifically on buying and selling stocks, once a week is, is just not enough. Looking for the uncrowded trade. So the, there's the dangers of being with everybody else on one side of the boat. Let's look for the uncrowded trade. Now, many of them will still be trapped, so you want to dismiss all of them. So, you know, I think that's pretty clear. The selection criteria, just to dig a little deeper, you need either quality assets, and they don't necessarily need to be companies that are already profitable. They could be, you know, fantastic emerging world-class mining projects, for instance, but the assets have got to be absolute quality. And there's got to be high probability of profit growth uh, in the future. And th these are just a couple. There's many aspects to this. Companies that have got a strong economic moat have pricing power um, and they dominate their sector. So they're always going to tend to do better than, uh, than others. The quality of the management is absolutely key, but the economic moat is probably even more important. And of course, the, I like to see a really smooth progression in the financial metrics, just building year after year after year, because that gives you a level of predictability. The outlook needs to be strong, as I said earlier, but, but temporarily out of favour because of mis, misconceptions. Um, you know, it could come from the media, it could be from some short-term event that's very transient, um, you know, whatever it might be, but companies that are temporarily out of favour but with strong outlooks are, are great candidates. And here's where technical analysis really is your friend because you, know, you, you don't want to go in too early or too late and technical analysis can um, can help with your entry timing significantly. And there's some examples to look at. You know, if we look at in America, the energy sector, the prevailing thinking for the last couple of years on energy has been that it was fossil fuels were on the way out. So why would you want to invest in energy companies? And it's um, you know it's starkly obvious. We'll have a look at the chart in a minute. Starkly obvious what um, what has happened in the energy sector, technology as well, was out of favour in America throughout 2022, and then basically bottomed out in um, October November last year, and since then has gone up um, very very sharply. And some stocks like Nvidia have gone up just spectacularly. Uh, and it was they always had a strong outlook. Nothing really changed that much in the business. It was just the market had some misguided perceptions about interest rates. And then, of course, uranium has, um, has been out of favour for some time and only recently has started to come into favour. It's one that we have to be patient with, but it's paying off big time um, in, um, in the Insiders Club. And, of course, lithium. We had a period at the start of the year. Lithium was hot in 2022. Dropped out of favour at the end of 2022. We had a rough four or five months where the price was falling. The media got terribly negative. Uh, there was predictions of doom and gloom. Um, yet those that 
you know, stayed the journey with with uh, lithium producers have rebounded really well, and in some cases rebounded spectacularly well. All right, let's uh, look at the market overall. American stocks, the S&P uh, was down 1.3% for the week. It was basically a risk-off week. Um, the defensives were leading, uh, but energy was by far the strongest, as we'll see. The US dollar index uh, continued with its breakout. It's up above 105 now. Uh, the yield edged up a bit, 4.27 on the 10-year. The VIX at uh, just under 14, and the spread is still hanging around 0.7 negative. So the bond market's still betting consistently that we're heading for a recession. Let's go and look at some charts. Okay, we'll start first of all with, uh, let's just look at XLE and XLK. So as I said, most people have been bearish on oil and gas for a couple of years just because it just seemed like the right, sensible, logical thing to do. Um, but as this chart shows, contrarian opportunities, which were dips to just below, brief dips below the 200-day moving average, which we saw in July and September of 2022, and then in March, May and June of 2023, so all really good entry opportunities, and we're significantly higher on XLE than we were two years ago. If we look at XLK, uh, is another um, another one where the, the there was a really strong outlook because of artificial intelligence, but there was irrational bearishness throughout 2022 that took the price of uh, technology stocks down considerably. And XLK dropped as, a, uh, as an overall um, indicator, dropped from 177 and actually got down to a low of 114. That's a huge drop. But now we're, we're back basically at the peak of, um, of the start of 2022. So they were two really classic uh, contrarian opportunities um, but as I said, there've been uh, there've been others. That's that's for sure. Let's go and look at the where the cash flows are going um, within the American market. Um, okay, so this is the Nasdaq versus the S and P. We're really just uh, in balance at the moment between the S and P and and the uh, the Nasdaq. Neither one outperforming the other. So just uh, tracking sideways there. So no real change. Semiconductors, importantly, pretty similar. A uh, bit of selling in semiconductors. They've done really well. Um, so they're sort of come back into balance in the last couple of weeks relative to the S&P, but there's been uh, a huge recovery in semiconductor stocks that um, corresponded with the, the bottom of the technology market in October of last year. Let's dive in and look at... Um, at the sectors, uh, so over the last quarter, <coughs> big pun, XLE has been a stunning outperformer over the last quarter. Um, and then we dropped down to, to communication services, which is also on the aggressive side. And then the rest are all fairly mixed. But interestingly, consumer staples and healthcare at the bottom. So it's a really strange um a strange mix of sector flows on a quarterly basis. But let's nip in a little closer and we'll look first of all, let's just look at last week. That's how much XLE 
outperformed. But look at what it outperformed. Consumer staples, defensive. Healthcare, defensive. Finance, it's sort of in the middle. And then you get down to, um, you know, to the more aggressive sectors and XLK right down at the bottom. So that's just the last week. But let's uh, look at a time frame that's a little bit more meaningful and we'll look at the last fortnight. And again, not a lot of change. So it's pretty clear that the contrarian opportunity that, is, that is, has existed in the energy sector uh, for some time has, uh, is now paying off and, uh, and paying off very handsomely. Okay, turning now to the Australian market, uh, our dollar 63.11. Uh, our index was down 1.7% across the week, and we're at the same level as we're at in February of uh, 2020. So if you're a broadly diversified investor, then in terms of capital value, you've effectively been stuck for three and a half years, just gone nowhere. So hence the importance of stock picking. Now, if you look at emerging companies section of the Australian markets, a lot of small caps in here, still languishing. And I think this is a contrarian opportunity, but that is a very, very broad, um, it's a very, very broad um, indicator. So you, you've got to look sector specific. And a lot of these stocks are going to continue to languish that make up this index because they deserve to. But there are certainly some, some high quality stocks, high growth stocks, that uh, are, are going very cheaply and the market hasn't cottoned onto them yet. So there's some terrific um, contrarian opportunities in that part of the market. If you look at XIJ, which is information technology, again, there are some uh, terrific individual contrarian setups. Some technology stocks have already moved. Um, some aren't going to move and there are some that are going to do very well. XMJ is the same as it was in May of 2021. Now, this just largely reflects BHP, Rio, Fortescue, etc. So it doesn't really tell you what's happening in, um, in the rest of the materials market, but it hasn't moved as an index for two and a half years. So very much a stock picker's market. And if you're not good at stock picking, then, then you better align yourself with someone that's all over this and can not only point you to quality undervalued opportunities but also ones where the you know the, the contrarian setup is complete because people are just ignoring them at the moment all right before we go to precious metals let's just go and look at some of those charts <clears throat> uh, first of all I'll just do the currencies so there's um there's the us dollar uh, index so still just tracking slowly higher and the Australian dollar of course doing pretty much the worse. Now if we look at this is the ASX 200 here's the peak just before the COVID crash in February of 2020 and you can see that we're trading at that um, identical level now and all we've done is just move up and down oscillate above and below that index. So a broadly based portfolio is, is not going to have done a great deal for you. Yes, you might have picked up some dividends, but the opportunities elsewhere have been, um, have been immense in some areas. This is uh, the Emerging Companies Index. Um, it's obviously still looking pretty, uh, pretty sad, pretty soggy. 
but very much um, an area where there are some real gems in this, uh, in this part of the market. Energy in Australia has done pretty well. Finance, not so struggling and hasn't really moved. The finance index hasn't moved. Uh, in fact, it's actually slightly lower than before the COVID peak. So that's actually underperformed the ASX 200. <coughs> Pardon me. If we look at uh, healthcare, healthcare also um, is uh, is struggling, and it's um, it's well below the the pre-COVID peak. And the final one I'll look at is um, sorry, that's XIJ. So there's the information technology sector, and the final one this is um, XMJ. So that completes the picture on those ones. Now, while I'm here, let's just look at gold. Gold on a weekly. Um, we had three down weeks, two up weeks, one down week. It's really just doing nothing. It's, um, it's a bit boring at the moment, I would have to say. And you can see here, the market is fairly in balance because we've got lots of really small range candles. Um, so there's no real conviction in that gold market. Uh, at all, and we're not seeing it either in stocks looking looking pretty much the same. So precious metals, um, gold uh, down $21. Um, and I think it's worth stepping back and asking yourself, what are you trying to achieve with gold exposure? I mean, a lot of people buy gold stocks or buy gold um, sometimes without really thinking about how it fits. So you've got to be clear about what you're trying to achieve with your gold exposure. Is it capital preservation? Is it capital gain? Um, you know, if it's capital gain, it's a bit problematic just buying gold. Um, if, it's, um, if it's buying into emerging world-class gold projects that are progressively being de-risked, then that's another story altogether. I think that that's a wonderful opportunity. Um, but as far as... Um, as many other parts of the gold market, it hasn't really um, it hasn't really produced. So just be clear about you're trying to profit, are you trying to hedge, are you trying to get leverage through owning stocks. So just get some clarity around that. Now in Australian dollars, um, 3,040, up just a, a dollar or two in Australian dollars, but um, as we'll see in a minute, that's still um, it's still pretty profitable. Now that's the, it's the current spot price. So most companies are, are um, selling um, on a not on a um, necessarily a spot gold basis, um, and they may have some um, some hedging in place. But um, if you look at the main producers, so uh, Northern Star, Evolution Mining, etc., the realized the realized actual price in Australian dollars for those local producers actually went up ten percent year on year to twenty six hundred dollars. So there's a lot of companies that are struggling to to um, raise their prices by 10% in the last year, but that's what's happened to Australian miners. Now, okay, costs have also gone up, so it hasn't necessarily helped their margins. But you've got to ask, you know, what, why is the market so bearish on um, on Australian gold producers? And it's just, uh, so this could be another contrarian setup, um, but my preference, as I've been talking about now for several years, my preference, rather than rely on something that I'm not confident in, and that's the gold price going up, I would rather 
find world-class emerging assets where the share price will rise because the project gets de-risked. Um, and to me, that's the sweet spot of the precious metals market. And this is a, an interesting chart. Um, it's a bit, it's a little bit um, hard at first glance to understand what it's, what it's telling us. But um, on the left-hand side, we've got the, the price in US dollars. Uh, and that chart um, is um, that chart is the darker line, and so you can see that the U.S. dollar price it's been up and down a little bit, but the U.S. dollar price is actually down on where it was uh, in uh, in June. But if we look at the Australian dollar price, which is this line here, and using the right hand scale then we've gone from around 2,900 and we're up over 3,000. So it's actually, the point here is not the absolute values. The point is it's flipped over. Gold in Australian dollars is significantly more attractive than gold in US dollars. And yet our market hasn't really picked up on that. So just an interesting, um, interesting chart on the gold market. Turning to other commodities, uh, copper, was down a little bit. Nickel was also down a bit, has now dropped under um, $9. Uh, crude oil, though, going in the opposite direction, up to 87. Uh, the US stockpiles were down about five and a half million barrels. That certainly helped. And it's at, um, it's at a yearly high and it's trending strongly. So it's you know really now starting to, um, to pay off uh, what I've been talking about for a couple of years. It's a contrarian, it's a very significant contrarian opportunity. Most people couldn't see it because the narrative was just, you know, just misguided. It was like, you know, this is logical that fossil fuels are on the way out. How could investing in, in um, oil and gas companies be, uh, be a good investment? But that's exactly what's happened. There's the spot copper chart, uh, spot nickel, similarly. And let's wrap it all up with some final thoughts. You can either play the crowded trade, you can do what, ev do what everyone else is doing and, and get the results that everybody else is getting, which is generally pretty disappointing. Or you can do something far more productive and far more profitable. Um, you know, we're, and we're not perfect. No one's perfect in, um, in the way that they interpret the market. Sometimes the market just does something different. But this is what we look for. We look for lower risk with significant upside potential opportunities. And we use realistic timeframes. You know, we're not, we're not expecting a result in the next week or the next month or sometimes even the next six months. Sometimes you need a couple of years to let these opportunities unfold that can take off at any time. But what we do is, I think, and we, and we do it reasonably well, is we play the odds and we play the risk and reward. You know, everything I look at the first thing I look at is not how much profit potential, it's what is the risk and, and how can I minimize the risk? And it works. You know, the, the record shows that it works and it combines very nicely with um, some long-term, very high conviction stocks that we're in that have got the tailwinds of, uh, of mega trends that are gonna continue for the rest of this decade. So that's the final thought I want to leave you with last week uh, was taking stock within the portfolio analyst service. Um, and we did a, a pretty decent review of, uh, of US sectors as well, and also some opportunities for the watch list.
So that's it for this week. More information on the website. There's the email address. And um, that's it. I'll be back with you next week. Cheers.